everyone, and welcome to episode 172 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host. First of all, saying happy anniversary to Doctor Who. This is my episode that will be coming out on Monday, the 20th of November, just in time for the anniversary of Doctor Who. And I think you'll really enjoy this episode. This is a bumper uh, episode. It's one that is clocking in just over two hours long. So if you have a trip uh, going to see Grandma for Thanksgiving, or maybe you're lucky enough to go to Chicago TARDIS to the big Doctor Who convention there, this will give you something to listen to on the way there or on the way back. And I think you'll really enjoy what we have in store for this episode. We'll start out like we always do by checking out the news and seeing what is new in the world of Doctor Who comics. And then we're going to do a couple reviews. We're going to open the Pandorica on the wonderful brand new original graphic novel uh, Once Upon a Time Lord featuring the story by Dan Slott with art by Christopher Jones, Matthew Dow Smith, and Mike Collins. And then we're going to take a look at part 14, the final part of Liberation of the Daleks the comic strip that leads right into the Children in Need special that just aired over in the UK, and you can also find on YouTube. That was in the latest issue of Doctor Who magazine, issue 597. And then we're going to do some uh, interviews and promotion, kind of a cross between the two. Uh, there is a new issue of Vorp Vorp magazine, which is being, you can order it now. It'll be coming out in uh, a few weeks' time. And we are big, or I am, a big proponent of Vorp Vorp magazine and the work that the fine folks there do putting this magazine together. The new issue uh, has what you come to expect in Vorp Vorp magazine. Wonderful articles, great uh, original comic strips, and a free gift that is always out of this world. And this time around, it's no exception. This issue that is coming out is a little bit of a divergent from what they normally do. It is an issue that is geared towards uh, an unearthly child or 100,000 BC and the very first episode of Doctor Who, but also kind of looking at things that tie into that the beginning of Doctor Who. And my uh, this episode, we're going to have some interviews that will tie in with this issue of Vorp Vorp. We will talk to writer Paul Ebbs, who has written numerous things uh, both in the world of Doctor Who and outside of Doctor Who, but he has written a comic strip featuring the 15th Doctor, and it'll be the very first comic strip ever featuring the 15th Doctor that is out in the public. So uh, we have a chat with him about his work on Vorp Vorp magazine and this uh, comic strip. And then we'll talk to friend of the show Fez Ramon, who is also somebody who is contributing artwork to Vorp Vorp uh, magazine. He has done a First Doctor story uh, with writer Lance Parkin, and we'll talk to him about working on this strip. And then finally, we are going to have uh, Gareth Kavana, who is the publisher of Cutaway Comics and also the publisher of Vorp Vorp magazine, to kind of give you a rundown of what you can expect in the new issue of Vorp Vorp magazine. And... Uh, also catch up with Gareth on other things that he's working on. The They just started a Kickstarter for a nonfiction book about uh, the Philip Hinchcliffe era of Doctor Who, which I highly recommend you back. If that book is anything like Vort Vort magazine as far as their, their in-depth interviews and research, you definitely don't want to miss it. So make sure you check that out on a Kickstarter. It's going on right now. And uh, we'll also find out about what's going on in the world of Cutaway Comics, all the offshoot comics of Doctor Who 
that they have been putting out and what is coming down the road. So like I said, this is a huge episode of uh, Doctor Who Panel to Panel. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have been listening to Doctor Who Panel to Panel. If not, if you're looking for past episodes featuring lots of really good interviews with uh, various different Doctor Who comic creators, make sure you check out this uh, the feed where you found this episode for previous episodes. And also for older episodes with more interviews, more reviews, more all sorts of stuff, make sure you go to archive.org and do a search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel or Jeremy B. Ment, and you can find... Uh, previous episodes on there. So with this kind of long, drawn-out intro out of the way, let's jump into this episode and check out the news. In Doctor Who comic news for this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel, we're starting out like we always do, looking at the calendar and seeing what new stuff has come out in the way of Doctor Who comics. For the month of November, we will start out with Wednesday... November 8th, that is when the Once Upon a Time Lord hardcover from Titan Comics was released in comic shops. So make sure you go out and pick up a copy, because trust me, it's really good. You'll find out when you listen to my review coming up here in just a few minutes. On Thursday, the 9th of November, that is when Doctor Who magazine issue number 597 came out over in the UK as well as digitally. And that features the final part, part 14 of Liberation of the Daleks. And... You can hear my review of that coming up in just a few minutes. But it was great to see that uh, great story, or that really good story, come to an end. Um, So, there you go. Other upcoming new releases on Thursday, the 23rd of November, over in the UK. The Target Book hardcover version of Rose will be released. That is the one, the big coffee table book with the novel by Russell T. Davies with illustrations by Robert Hack. I know I'm going to, or I have a copy on pre-order, I do believe, and it's going to go right next to my hardcover of the Daleks that I have and because Robert is a great artist, so why would I not want to have a copy of that? So get that. Then jumping ahead, uh, the only other new release I have listed on my calendar is on Thursday, December 7th, over in the UK and digitally. That is when Doctor Who Magazine issue number 598 will be coming out. I'm really curious about this uh, issue because I'm wondering what we're going to see in way of a comic strip. We've wrapped up Liberation of the Daleks, and it's going to be time to move on to uh, hopefully another comic strip. Hopefully we don't have a hiatus as we wait for Shudi Gatwa to, to take over as the Doctor. So, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Other news in way of Doctor Who comic news, there's been a couple uh, new items that are going to be coming out or been announced. If you want to read the press releases uh, for yourself, you can go to my website, DoctorWhoComics.com. But otherwise, I'm going to cover them for you. The first one that I want to bring to your attention, which you'll be finding out about uh, in the interviews that you'll be listening to, is a new issue of Vorp. Vorp magazine was just announced, issue number six. It is available for pre-order. It will be coming out here in December, just after the anniversary of Doctor Who. But let me read you the uh, press release. The acclaimed Doctor Who comics and artwork fanzine, Vorp Vorp, returns with a sixth issue in November 2023. Edited and designed by Colin Brockhurst and published by Gareth Kavanaugh, this 180-page issue celebrates the genesis of the show in 1963, 
with a host of features and interviews with talent from both sides of the camera. With three fabulous covers from Robert Hack, Jeff Cummins, and Andrew Orton and Colin Brockers to choose from, and an exclusive DVD to Thrill, get ready for a deep dive into the very best art, interviews, and fan scholarship as we rapidly approach the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who on November 23rd. Highlights of Issue 6 include The Waif from Outer Space, we catch up with Carol Ann Ford to discuss her memories of the earliest days of Doctor Who and the joys and frustrations of playing the Doctor's granddaughter. We take in the view from the gallery as Andrew Orton painstakingly reconstructs the sets and conditions for the filming of An Unearthly Child 60 years ago in Lime Grove Studios. Exclusive interviews with Mark Gaddis and actor Brian Cox discussing the making of their 2013 Hymn to the Hartnell Era, An Adventure in Space and Time. Desperately Seeking Reg, Vorp Vorp's editor Colin Brockers turns detective, seeking the trail of the very first actor to grace Doctor Who, the mysterious Reg Cranfield. Who was the family who? We take a deep dive into the lives of Doctor Who's first family, the Hartnells, with recollections from his daughter, Anne Carney, and a rare interview with Bill's wife, Heather Hartnell. Brand new interviews with Vision Mixer Clive Doige and the Radiophonic Workshop's Brian Hodgson, two television pioneers who broke new ground working on 1963's 100,000 B.C. Hunters of the Burning Stone we go behind the scenes of Doctor Who magazine's seminal 50th anniversary celebration comic strip with writer Scott Gray and artist Martin Garrity. In-depth original article or illustrated articles on several of Doctor Who's 1963 pioneers, including Jacqueline Hill, Anthony Coburn, David Whitaker, Norman Kay, Rex Tucker, and Fred Rollins, and much more. Also, as well as short stories by John Dorney and John Peel, issue 6 features three brand new comic strips featuring the 1st and 15th Doctors. The Night Before, The Doctor and Susan Navigate the Strange Phenomenon of Beatlemania, written by Tim Quinn with art by Tim Keeble. Overdue, a curious history book on the shelves of Shoreditch Library, spills danger for The Doctor and Susan written by Lance Parkin, with art by Fez Raymond. History, Bangs, and Stinks. It's 1963, and there's a new doctor at Cole Hill School, just not the one we were expecting, written by Paul Ebbs, with art by Simon Brett. Our exciting free gift this issue is a DVD packed with brand new animations and archive features explaining the genesis of the show, intriguing what-ifs and sidesteps into the unknown. Expect... A Meaning on the Common, a dynamic 18-minute animation of the much-loved alternative opening to Doctor Who, as told by David Whitaker in his classic 1964 novelization, Doctor Who in an Exciting Adventure with the Daleks. Directed and animated by Mel Meanley, adapted by Ian Winterton, and starring Stephen Noonan as the Doctor, Adam Grayson as Ian, Heather Sterling Lane as Barbara, and Carrie Eli as Susan. We flame to please. Ever wonder what Doctor Who getting the Hanna-Barbera treatment would have looked like back in 1966? Wonder no longer with this lovingly written and animated homage to the great or to the golden age of children's animation from Graham Kibble White. Join Doctor Who on a visit to the Stone Age, 
complete with repeating background and laughter track, starring Sean Galatian as Doctor Who, with Adam Grayson, Helen Sterling Lane, and Stephen Noonan. Interlude on Totter's Lane, a short drama written by Andy Lane, exploring the consequences of life with a doctor and why he must never go back to the very beginning. Starring Peter Purvis as Stephen Taylor and Sean Galashian as the Doctor. Presented as a Telesnap reconstruction. I apologize about murdering people's names on this. Um, Original Doctor Who, November 1963, radio trailer reconstruction. A reconstruction of the long-lost original Doctor Who radio trailer. Originally recorded by William Hartnell in advance of the very first broadcast. The trailer offered listeners their very first glimpse of the Doctor. This piece of radio history has been re-recorded by Stephen Noonan using the original script retained in the archives. An audience with Waris Hussein. A career retrospective with Doctor Who's very first director, the BAFTA and Emmy-winning Waris Hussein, in conversation with Matt Carlton, recorded at Videodyssey Studios, Liverpool in 2019. You can order uh, Vorp Vorp issue number six at vorpvorp.co.uk right now. Make sure you go ahead and order it. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this magazine. Uh, it is Every issue is just stunning, and this one is definitely not going to fail on that part. The other Doctor Who comic news that we have is that Titan Comics announced that for free comic book day 2024, they are going to have a Doctor Who comic for free comic book day. Here is the press release on that one. Titan Comics is pleased to announce that it is returning to the TARDIS once more on free comic book day with the release of Doctor Who, the 15th Doctor, free comic book day edition, available in participating comic shops on May 4th, 2024. Written by Master of Sci-Fi and Fantasy, Dan Waters, whose work includes Loki, Homesick Pilots, and the Sandman Universe, this special issue kicks off an all-new Doctor Who comic series starring the 15th Doctor, Shudi Gatwa, and his companion in time and space, Ruby Sunday, played by Millie Gibson. The launch of the new series in 2024 marks the 10th anniversary of the first Doctor Who comics under Titan Comics. The publisher first started traveling with the Doctor in 2014 and hasn't stopped since. Well, outside of a couple hiatuses like we're in now. Now, in its 10th year, Titan Comics will be part of an exciting new era of Doctor Who with the 15th Doctor. On the free Comic Day edition of Doctor Who, the 15th Doctor, series editor Jake Devine says, Doctor Who Free Comic Book Day marks the first appearance of the 15th Doctor in Titan Comics, and I'm so excited. It feels like we've been waiting for this new era forever. We've got an incredible story to tell from a fresh creative team with a spectacular vision. I can't wait for fans to get sucked in. Free Comic Book Day takes place every year on the first Saturday in May. With over 2,000 stores and several comic book publishers participating, the event gives readers a chance to grab a free comic and meet fellow comic readers. Readers can find their local comic or participating store if you go to freecomicbookday.com, if I remember right. Look out for more news on Free Comic Book Day 2024 from Titan Comics, as well as further announcements on the 15th Doctor series on Facebook, X, and Instagram. 
So, there you go. It's good news from Titan Comics that they're actually going back and uh, bringing us some new Doctor Who comics, which I was very happy to see. I kind of expected it, but it's nice to see that they're going to kind of put Doctor Who at the forefront by putting out a free comic book day edition. So, there you go. That's the news for this episode of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Time to jump into reviews. It's time to open the Pandorica on a new Doctor Who comic. And this time around, finally, at long last, I can do a review of Doctor Who Once Upon a Time Lord. This is the hardcover original graphic novel that is uh, out from Titan Comics. And it is written by friend of the show Dan Slott. With art by Christopher Jones, Matthew Dow Smith, and Mike Collins. This is a really nice prestige format book, and here is a quick plot synopsis. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because I want you to read it, and I think you've kind of heard quite a bit about it uh, on previous episodes. Martha Jones is captured by the insatiable pyromaths, and her only hope for survival is to keep them distracted with sensational untold tales of the Tenth Doctor facing off against his greatest foes, both classic and new. And that's basically the story. Um, Martha unwittingly gets captured by the pyromaths and they feed on stories. That's how they um, get their energy, how they get their life force. And Martha has to tell stories of the doctor and adventures he's been on in order to stall them long enough for the doctor to come and rescue her. That's basically the plot. So let me give you my review of the story. I've been wanting to review the story for quite some time. Um, I thought this story is a lot of fun. Fun. Um, Dan Slott came right out and said this is his love letter to Doctor Who, and you can definitely tell by as the story goes on that one, he knows his Doctor Who lore up and down. Two, he loves Doctor Who as a, a, a property, as a way to tell stories. And three, he does a magnificent job of telling a story here. Um, like he said on uh, when I chatted with him on a previous episode, this was his. He feels this is his one shot to tell a story that he wanted to tell to uh, express his love for Doctor Who and how much he has enjoyed the program and enjoyed the show throughout his entire life. And it definitely shows in this. And it's it's not just a lot of kind of fan service. And he does throw everything in the kitchen sink in. But at least it's not just a story where you know he's catering to the fans and he's throwing stuff in for the fans to go, oh, yes, I get that, or oh, I'm trying to tie this in. It's a story where he is finally crafting a story, but also including stuff he wants to, to give a nod or a wink to this era or that era. As far as the artwork goes... I really enjoyed the artwork as well. The, using the uh, using Christopher Jones and Matthew Dow Smith to tell the story was a, a it was kind of a necessity uh, due to Christopher Jones' uh, work uh, load, so he wasn't able to draw the entire thing. But as a story, it also works having these flashback stories and switching to Matthew Dow Smith to tell the the flashback stories. I thought was a a great idea and a great use of two artists to tell one solid story. Christopher Jones' artwork, uh, I think, compared to some of the other stuff he's done, like the the Seventh Doctor miniseries, I think his artwork isn't quite as crisp or looking quite as good as I'm used to him uh, doing. 
but it still is very well done. His lightness of Martha is dead on. There was a couple Tenth uh, Doctor spots that don't look quite exactly right to me, but still told the story very well. Matthew Dow Smith, I've really grown to to love his artwork over the years. I think he does a really uh, great job of doing kind of an abstract look to a comic book, which it it works. It it, it comes together really well and. His share of the the workload on this story was was great. The backup story by Mike Collins I thought was a nice little add-in to in a, a nod to getting a Ninth Doctor story in there. And it also, once again, ties in with the main story. So it, it, this all in all is a really nice package. I would say the one big downside that I... Big complaint I have is although this story is an original story it's a uh, it has come out as a hardcover book i don't think it really needed to be a hardcover book the original plan was for it to be just kind of a a 48 page or a 64 page uh, i forgot how many pages are in there but just a one-shot comic for eight dollars and i think titan would have sold more at that price point than as a 17 dollar hardcover Granted, we it just came out in time for the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, so with that being on people's minds and it's kind of their way of celebrating the anniversary of Doctor Who, I understand where they're coming from, and it is it does look really nice on my bookshelf. However, I think they it would have just as easily been uh, serviced or done as a uh, as a soft cover, but if that's the only thing complaint I have about it, then then that's not that big of a deal. So anyway, Once Upon a Time Lord is a great story. I highly recommend it. Buy it. Read it. You will enjoy it. Trust me. Exterminate! We are doing a double dip of the Pandorica uh, this time around on Doctor Who Panel to Panel. We are going to take a look at yet another new Doctor Who comic strip that just came out. This is the final part of Liberation of the Daleks. This is part 14 which, of course, is written and uh, created by our usual team. Written by Alan Barnes, art by Lee Sullivan, coloring by James O'Freddy, lettering by Roger Langridge, Marcus Hearn is the editor, and the Daleks were created by Terry Nation. This is what it's all been leading up to, folks. This is the final battle between the two factions of Daleks. Uh, we have one uh, faction of Daleks led by the golden emperor or the golden dalek who is their leader and we have the other faction led by the emperor dalek and the doctor coming up with a finishly clever plan to defeat both of them simultaneously and also get his tardis back and that's basically what happens in this episode or this part of the story we have the uh, daleks coming to invade where the golden dalek is and him and his group trying to escape because they are being soundly defeated by the Daleks and uh, the doctor user coming up with a plan that he talks the emperor Dalek into letting him do to try to stop them the d doctor is able to use his new well not really new it's still the 13th doctor science screwdriver but it's a, a new version of it um to turn the Golden Daleks escape capsule back around to face the consequences of being uh, defeated by the Emperor Dalek and his group. Uh, the the TARDIS, uh, or 
the emperor, the golden Dalek realizes that the the TARDIS uh, and the Doctor are the only way for him to escape. So he frees the TARDIS, and I thought this was kind of silly, but at the same time, kind of clever. The the Doctor goes into the the TARDIS and. The doorway isn't big enough for the golden Dalek to fit his big round uh, dome through, which causes the Doctor to dematerialize in the TARDIS, and the Dalek escape capsule is blown to smithereens, and lots of Dalek ectoplasm is uh, rained all over uh, the the Dalek fun world. So we end up with an, an ending, which I thought was rather clever, especially now that we have all seen the Children in Need special because this this part of the story or this ending leads right into that Children in Need special. So it's great that Russell T. Davies showed how important or how uh, meaningful the comic strip story is here that he put in a, a kind of a one-liner thing at the end of this to lead it right into that. So we know that the story is canon all this took place in the span of 60 minutes, as you find out from the the Children in Need special, that he's only been in his incarnation for an hour. He mentions that. So I'm happy that this story is in canon. I think that's probably the most important part of the story, is that Russell T. Davies said the story is going to tie in with the series. It leads, It fills that gap that we've had for this year and a half of No Doctor Who and I think that's great. This story as a whole, I want to read this whole story all in one sitting. I'm really looking forward to getting my copy of the collected edition because I think the story will make a lot more sense being read all in one shot or a couple sittings as opposed to piecemealing it together issue by issue. Artwork-wise, you got Lee Sullivan doing Daleks for this final part with lots of Daleks as well as through the whole series. You can't go wrong there. The coloring the has, looks great, as James O'Ferdy always does. I thought this was a really fun story. It's a nice doctor-centric story with no companion story about. It basically just focuses on him. And I thought it was a lot of fun. So if you haven't been buying Doctor Who magazine, I would recommend you pick up the collected edition. It is out over in the UK now, and it will be coming out here uh, shortly, I believe, in the United States. Make sure you pick up a copy and read it. It is a lot of fun. How can you not go wrong with the Doctor fighting the Daleks? So, there you go. That's my review of the final part of Liberation of the Daleks. You will be deleted. Today on Doctor Who Panel to Panel, I have somebody uh, on who I haven't chatted with in probably 20 years. Uh, Paul Ebbs, thank you for joining me on the program today. It's an absolute pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you very much for asking me on. Now, Paul and I uh, go way back to when he used to come over to the United States doing Doctor Who conventions, Um, but he is a a writer and author. Um, I got to know him from his Doctor Who novel, The Book of the Still. But Paul, for those of you who uh, are those people listening who don't know you, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your like writing career and what you've done? Uh, I like like most Doctor Who type writers i started out doing fan fiction um and i had my own uh brief audio um full cast audio amateur series called season 27 that was back in the late 90s mm-hmm. and that led me to 
to get uh, work with Bill Baggs at BBV, writing some of the things for the the the, the Doctor Who spin-offs. I did a Zygon um, and a couple of other things, a cyber cyber on thing for them. And I script edited a few things and I directed a few things for him. And then that got me um, uh, in with knowing people like Gary Russell and what have you from from Big Finish sure. um, and then and then at about nine uh, 2001 I pitched a book to BBC books for Doctor Who which became an eighth Doctor novel it started out as a sixth Doctor novel uh, but then they they wanted an eighth Doctor novel so that um, I pitched that with a friend called Richard Jones but he kind of disappeared um not really sure what happened there he disappeared and yeah. never heard of again um i'm sure he's he's fine but um uh so i wrote the book i ended up writing the book the book of the steel and at the same time i decided to have a go at breaking into television uh and and i did uh on a, a medical soap in the uk called doctors which had the right name, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote for that. That led me to writing for a police series called The Bill and another series, another medical series called Casualty. And so I wrote lots of episodes for those, lots of episodes of Doctors. Um, and then uh, I spent some time on the, on the probably the, 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 the biggest or second biggest soap in the UK EastEnders, I spent a little bit of time on that, but none yeah. of my episodes actually made it to to the screen. Unfortunately, they were going through real uh -huh. turmoil at the time, and mm -hmm. I was kind of headhunted from Casualty. Um, and they took me over there, but it didn't really work out. I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't a good fit. They came sure. to me, but in the end, I wasn't a good fit. So that didn't okay. really. Then, uh, after a few years of doing that. I started writing children's books. I write under a pseudonym uh, for um, a company called Working Partners. And I also write um, books for the American market under another pseudonym, uh, which are prepper fiction for um all right well i haven't done that for a couple of couple of years but i, I wrote about 10 of those okay uh, uh for so so i'm very good uh, you know if you, if you wanted to give me a glock um uh which i've never fired <laughs> in my life i could <laughs> down take it apart and put it all back together because i had to learn because one of the things that prepper people who read prepper fiction like is they like to have their weapons knowledge in the books to uh -huh. be so I had to learn all of that stuff. Not not that I ever wanted to fire a gun or or I'm even interested in guns, but I had to learn all that. So, was, so I've learned lots of stuff, which is which is great. So prep fiction. Right now, I'm working in games. Basically, I seem to I seem to every few years something new comes along. Uh -huh. uh, instead of staying doing the same old thing, I kind of enjoy doing a new thing so last year and the year before i worked on a game for the chinese okay which I, which I don't think has come out yet doing all the dialogue for that it was a a mobile phone game uh and at the moment i'm now writing um uh uh adventures for dungeons and dragons fifth edition so writing oh the, cool writing the books for those we've got me and my co-writer steve have been commissioned to do three so we're just we're just about halfway through the first one at okay. the moment. 
So, so I've done lots of different things. I've, oh, I, I went back to I went back to Big Finish and and did a Big Finish second Doctor short trips a couple of years ago. Um, and now, and now uh, that brings me up to date with Doctor Who. We're doing this um, comic for Warp Warp. Yeah, that's that's why we're chatting today. It's yeah. the that uh, you and I are, are big fans of, of Warp Warp magazine. Absolutely. Uh, for those people who who have missed out, Warp Warp is a. Uh, it's hard to call it a fanzine, in my opinion, because it's so much more than that. It's a professionally made. Yeah. Uh, bookazine, uh, cause just because the amount of uh, m- material and information that's in there, uh, it's yeah, bigger I'm, than a magazine. Absolutely. When I'm when when people ask me what is that, I'll say, I I I call it a semi prozine. Yeah, that's a very good term for it. I think, um, I think that's what it is because it it looks indistinguishable from something that you would that you you would pay. You know, I mean, uh, that you would you would buy in a store that was professionally produced it looks indistinguishable for that in fact yeah. it looks better than a lot of uh you know the pro stuff that you see yep yep totally agree and uh there's a new issue that's coming out to co- kind of coincide with uh the 60th anniversary of doctor who that um, is true. uh focuses primarily on uh the the comic strip uh and animation side i guess of of doctor yeah. who and yeah. and paul has uh, contributed the writing for a brand new fifteenth Doctor comic strip. Yes, I have. I was, I was, I was very pleased. I, I, I did a little thing for them in their last issue, which I can't talk about because it wasn't. Um, it was, it, it was, it was something that helped somebody else. Okay. But I, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, uh, I wasn't credited. Uh, but um, which is fine. I was absolutely fine about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just. I just wanted to help out, and I've, I've since Warp Warp has been around. I've been wanting to do something for it. I've never done a comic strip before. This is my, and I've been a fan of the. I mean, my favourite Doctor Who story of all time is the Tides of Time. So, in oh, in, yeah. in any medium whatsoever, my favourite Doctor Who story is a comic strip. I, I, you know, that that's that's. I think that's the greatest Doctor Who story ever told. The Tides uh-huh. of Time. Um, what with Parkhouse and Gibbons, and it's just a, a masterpiece. True. Um, so, so getting a chance to do a comic strip for me is was 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 amazing. I said to them, you know, I'd like to I'd like to do something for the next issue. Can I? And Colin said, Yeah, what you know, what do you want to do? And I said, Could I do a comic strip? And he said, All right, we'll kick some ideas around. And so I kicked some ideas around, and uh, I, I sent in three or four ideas. The first ones didn't really appeal to him. So I did some more, did a couple more, and he liked one, which then has uh, has, uh, turned out to be this story, which is called History Bangs and Stinks, which is uh, (laughs) uh, I've tried very hard to tie it into the 60th anniversary. So it's got got a little bit of um, continuity in for the continuity fans. It's set in 90. I don't want to give too much away. Sure. uh, uh, but it's set right at the beginning of Doctor Who, but you've got Shooty Gatwa's Doctor in it as well. And it's the consequences of the first episode that were unexpected consequences that he has to go back and fix. So that's that. That's what I'll tell you about that. Okay. So you can extrapolate from that what it might be about. But, yes, Shooty, um, Shooty Gatwa uh, uh, is, is the Doctor. And, mm-hmm. uh, 
that was very exciting because I think it might even be the first. I'm not sure if if the if if that if the fifteenth Doctor comes into DWM in November or in December with the Christmas special. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so, so it's it's one of the first. So that's 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 really exciting for me as a as a sad fan. <laughs> no, yeah, you're you're kind of going exactly the direction I was thinking. Is that um, with the the fourteenth Doctor story wrapping up in in Doctor Who magazine? Um, I'm not we're not exactly sure when we're going to see the fifteenth Doctor debut. So uh, you, uh, with, depending on scheduling and releases uh, and stuff, your story could possibly be the first comic strip featuring the fifteenth Doctor and Shudi Gatwa. Now, it, yes, the the. At this point, supposed to be out in November. Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at this point, you know the the amount of screen time that Shudi Gatwa has had as the Doctor amounts yep. to about thirty seconds and about five words. Yep. Now, that's, that's the one. <laughs> now, that's the one. go ahead. I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has. So I've so I've I've taken the Terence Dix approach. Uh, Terence Dix always said that. You can write every single doctor exactly the same because it's, <laughs> the words are pretty much exactly the same. Uh-huh. And so I, I, he's not a generic doctor. He's got a few um he's got a few quirks um in you'll see in some of the jokes he tells. Okay. Uh, so I've I've tried to be I've tried to be um uh faithful to the kind of thing that I think rtd will do with him i i hope okay okay um and simon brett the the artist has done an absolutely astonishing job with the art it is i i cannot tell you how pleased i am with the art uh of what he's done to to my to my idea we we worked in the kind of the marvel way which i which i think is is you write an outline then the um uh, it was a, it was a detailed outline. Then Simon took that away and created the panels, and then uh-huh. I put the dialogue on afterwards. Sure, but it, yeah. was, it was it was that's that's the Marvel way, yeah, not the not yeah. the yep. not the not the British way. No, no, not a, not a full script. It, yeah, no, and, no, no, ad libbing. Yeah, the full script came afterwards. There is uh-huh. a full script now, um, but there wasn't. Uh, there was a there was a detailed page by page outline, and then. Which then Simon did things with, which were fantastic. The roughs were just I, when the, when I first saw the roughs for the page, I was you know my my jaw hit the floor. They're so good. Uh-huh. Um, we kick those around for a, a few weeks, a couple of months or so, until we were both happy with how the roughs were, and then I started creating the script from the roughs, and we we finally signed off with Colin about ten days ago. Okay. 10, 15 days ago. Colin's done the lettering and uh, Colin Brockhurst, that is, at Warp. Mm-hmm. And um and then Simon Simon's art. But it is absolutely it's absolutely beautiful. I, it, it's it, it's stunning. I, I think it's stunning anyway. It's so clean and beautiful. Yeah, I know you sent me kind of a little teaser image uh, of what to expect. And yeah, yeah. It, it looks amazing. It looks uh, you know like something you would see in Doctor Who magazine. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, you know, my words are, you know, my words, and that's that's fine. That's 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 brilliant. But to be able to be able to put 
me and him together me and Simon together and create this thing has been a, a fabulous experience. But obviously, working in television, you're again, you're not a, a as I did for quite a few years mm-hmm. as a writer in television. You you are part of a team. You are just one part of that team, and so you know I'm used to um, my words being turned into visual images. You know, a script writer and a screenwriter is what I am more than anything else. Yeah. So I'm used to my words being turned into visual images. Uh, and so this is – but this is one of the most beautiful things I have ever been um, uh, involved with. I'm I'm just knocked out. Simon is <laughs> it's genius. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you now, like you said, you've worked in various different mediums, whether it be writing books or scripts yeah. for TV shows or audios. Um, as somebody who has read comics for, for a long time, um, exactly how rewarding was it to, to be part of this collaboration? You know, you kind of elaborated on it now, but to, to see it all come together and to see the, the visuals that your, your script, uh, caused Simon to, to, to come up with. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's it's alchemy, man. It's alchemy, and it is so rewarding. It's beyond rewarding. It's one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had, in terms of creating something that is is beautiful. I thought that doing the game, that we're doing this Chinese game last year and the year before, uh-huh. when uh, when when the images started to come in, and we were just going, "God, this is amazing! It's absolutely fantastic." Um, it's, it's absolutely beautiful, but this this comic is. I feel I'm obviously I'm closer to this, and where yeah. was with the game? I was just writing dialogue to um, uh, uh, translation Chinese translations of the of the story, and I was you know I was putting in as much um, of myself into the, for the dialogue. I had no input really into the images the images that came back were beautiful but nobody asked my opinion on the images whereas here i have i have um i've i've got an input into it i mean you know i can't mm-hmm. i can't draw i you know i'm not a draftsman but uh, help and and simon was just so responsive to that as well he was so responsive you know when i when i said oh what about this what about that and and some of the stuff that he's put in as well um, there's one. There's there's a couple of bits in it that he's created that I've written the words for that weren't in the actual outline, but are perfect extrapolations and perfect moments for me to write dialogue to that that has been suggested to him from the story, but weren't necessarily written in line. So it's so it's a, it's a, it's been a, an organic, um, a really organic. Uh, experience because mm-hmm. what 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 I've if I'd have written the script you know very prescriptively yeah um and that's what had come back to me there are two or three bits in the actual finished thing that might never have been there but they've come from Simon if you see what I mean yeah they're, and the the visual bits and that image that I sent you um you know I can I uh, you know the, you you'll see in that, I think I sent, I sent, I sent you the the, the hero shot of the doctor on yeah. the TARDIS, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, in my original idea, where he was steering the TARDIS from outside, was um, was with just a pair of leather horse reins, like as if he was riding a horse. Uh-huh. And it was Simon who changed it to Tom Baker's scarf. Yeah, and that just. 
that just lifts it to a whole new level mm-hmm. and, and a whole new level of 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 um joy for you know doctor who yeah. type joy for me yep. and that's that's all down to simon so i was i was very impressed when that came back because it's much better than my idea so yeah it's it's been a a, a beautifully organic wonderfully uh, an exploration of an idea turning it into a visual thing i've you know i mm-hmm. hope i really hope i get a chance to do more comics at some point because uh, i'm knocked out <laughs> knocked out by the, the whole experience well, that to me that's one of the things that's so great about uh, comics as a medium to tell stories is that you when you get a good collaboration between a writer and an artist where they kind of feed off each other and yeah. uh, they kind of take each other's ideas and yeah. and can work together to create you know beautiful moments and yeah. and great page layouts and great scenes and stuff like that that's when it works to to you know the the best that a comic can be yeah, now yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Now, uh, for uh, kind of on the opposite end of that, as somebody with like you who's had a, a long writing career and you've written in various different mediums, how difficult was it to write a comic script compared to uh, 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 writing a, a book or a, a TV show or something like that? Was it uh, a challenge for you to uh, learn the, the, the craft of writing a comic book? No, no, not at all. And, and, and I don't want to sound big-headed here, but no, it was really easy uh, because you're, because I'm used to dealing with visual medium. I'm used to dealing okay. with that writing writing screenplays. You have to write. Um, you know, one of the one of the earliest things I learned about writing screenplays is that your screenplay should work if there's no dialogue. So you know, dialogue is sure. not the most not the most important thing. It's the visual image telling the story visually. Mm-hmm. So uh, with my outline, hopefully I go, you know, and I, well, I know I did. I, I spent, you know, a couple of hours coming up with the idea um, and then getting that signed off. And then Colin Brockhurst put me in touch with Simon. So we had a we had a long uh, Zoom meeting where we talked about it. Okay. And we, you know, he'd read the outline and we kicked it, kicked that around. Um, the the This was really easy because i think the idea of the of the story is is you know if i uh, if i if i flatter myself it's very strong and it's very doctor whoey as you'll see mm-hmm. i've sent you the 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 proof um yep. drop that into messenger now um so you can you can read the whole thing all right um, uh i've i think the idea is very strong um and so that you know that's the that's a good that was a good starting place for us to work with and the idea hasn't changed in terms of um uh process or narrative structure since i wrote it none of that has changed what's changed is the application the visual application of it in in a couple of places and then i had some ideas about dialogue when i first wrote the outline but i i i didn't write anything down until i saw the visuals and so then though then those organically you know the dialogue then came from that um uh-huh. but yeah I, th- I think you could probably guess the story without any of the dialogue there's a few bits of exposition that you need a little yeah. not a lot yeah and looking at it now uh yeah it, first of all uh simon's artwork is amazing you know Isn't i it? it's 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 beautiful it's, like you said it's nice and crisp and clean and uh he the the 
page layouts are, are really neat. They're very dynamic and uh, uh, it was painted by hand as well. He did he did the roughs in uh, digitally and then inked those and then printed it onto boards, painted the boards and brought it back into the into the Mac. Oh wow! So yeah, that's, that's real painting in there, in there, which is again the level of the level of craft and work that he's put into it is just astounding. It's astonishing. It, yeah, it's 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 beautiful. I'll I'll definitely give you that. It's uh it's but I wouldn't expect anything less from from uh, a comic strip that's in Vort Vort magazine. No, no, no. No, <laughs> well, no, no they they do have a certain level of quality and uh, they, they do. It was it was nice to be able to meet that really. <laughs> that's, that's kind of comforting. That's kind of comforting. That I did that. Yeah, they're very happy with it. Colin's very happy with it. Um, I'm very happy with it, and I know Simon is as well. So, 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 uh, with with this comic strip done, and uh, the you know next year at some point we will be seeing Shooty on screen as the fifteenth actor. Um, are are you curious to see if you were you were able to capture any of his uh, version of the Doctor? I, in, I, I, in your I, few I, in your few pages of the comic strip, I genu I, I I generally don't know. I don't know if I you know it, <laughs> it may be completely different. It, it may be completely different. But in my head, he's he's an RTD doctor. He's a Russell T Davis doctor. Yeah, and it's just you know what to expect with a Russell T Davis doctor, really, don't you? You know what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, you're there's going to be a level of emotion. So that, so there's there's an emotional component to the to the story which i hope works there's good characterization he's a master of characterization so i've i've tried to do something that would look okay on screen if it was you know really mm -hmm. really done so uh if it was really filmed so um that's the uh, but my only my only sense was to to make him feel doctoring in, in the way that i feel a doctor how i write a doctor you know when i've written yeah. i've written patrick trout and i've written paul mcgann i've you know I've, I've i've written those two doctors um and you can put the the ticks and the um the affectations of each doctor into the dialogue you can do that with 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 mcgann you know he's, he's very childlike and very uh, full of wonder and isn't this amazing and wonderful and obviously yeah you know, so that would do, so that's him. Troughton, there's a lot of obfuscation. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of so. So there's those things with Shooty. I've done. I've I've really. He's probably. He'll, he'll probably be much more interesting. But I've tried to make him. I've tried to make him feel like a doctor. Yeah. You know. So that's that's what I've tried to do. A doctor. If it's mm -hmm. if it's like him, excellent. If it's not. It won't be too far away, I hope. Yeah, it's it, being able to to make him, for lack of a better term, kind of a generic doctor. That yeah. you know, the no matter I think every every actor brings a different uh, uh, personality to the, the role of the doctor. But when yeah. you when you boil it down, the the doctor, I think, uh, as far as like writing the character or or bringing out what the, the that character is. It's mm. all pretty straightforward, I think, from from yeah. one to another as to what the doctor is, you know, what what he uh, brings to the table and, and to a story. 
Yeah, he's he's the doctor with a moustache. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so, all I had to go on, you know, really. Uh-huh. So we, uh, we were lucky that in the process, some of the set photographs started coming out. So that's why he's dressed, he's dressed in his um shaft gear. Uh-huh. You know, the, the long, the long orange coat and the uh and whether so they the, luckily they came out while we were in this process. So it was great to to get some visual uh cues for uh for Simon and you know for us to to say ah there's a moustache what a moustache yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah uh so so as this being your first foray into doing comics and talking about yeah. how rewarding it was um yeah. has, has it whetted your appetite to to maybe I, seek out comic uh art or I, you know writing as a as a gig I, I you know I well I did <laughs> I often say I'll write anything if they'll pay me <laughs> uh, which is fine um i i i'm i i some of my kids books have been illustrated uh okay. and brilliantly illustrated not 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 by you know not by me but but mm-hmm. you know, by a, a guy called aaron belcher who's brilliant okay um, he's done all 14 i think of the kids books that i've done um uh and i'm working on something with martin Geraghty who you will know. Oh, yeah. Working on a, not a comic strip, but an illustrated kids book. Um, so there's that. Whether or not I start to pitch some ideas, um, I think, I think I'd think i love to write for Doctor Who magazine. You know, I'd love. Yeah. And I can't, I, I'm rubbish at nonfiction. I can't do nonfiction. So I, I'd never be able to write an article that was worth reading for, for, for uh-huh. magazine. But um, if I ever get the, ever got the chance to do a, a comic strip for DWM, that might be good. But, you know, I may, I may, it all depends how much time I've got, what, what ideas pop into my head. Um, you know, I may, I may send something off to 2000 AD. You never know. You yeah. never know. But what this, what this will be is a really good, you know, line in the sand to show to people and say, well, this is what, we can do or this is what i can do uh-huh yeah if nothing else it's good in the portfolio yeah yeah absolutely and yeah i I, th- I think that's one of the things i'm i i can say is is good about what i do is that i can pretty much turn my hand to anything you know i yeah. I, I you know whenever i'm you know whenever amateur writers are talking to me about you know wanting some advice i say write things outside your comfort zone write things that you've never done before and I and I try, you know, having having gone from you know television books, kids books, adult books, genre fiction, straight fiction, and uh, to now doing games, to doing Dungeons and Dragons books and things like that. It's it's I I and audios and mm-hmm. you know films and and uh, television. It's it's um I you know I've, I I I can pretty much turn my hand to anything in any genre. Oh, I've written a western. I've written two westerns. Oh, really? Uh, under pseudonyms for American companies. Um, uh, so you know, I've even I've even done westerns. So um, I'll 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 try my hand at anything, whether or not I'm successful or not, is a completely different is a completely different thing. But I'll have a go. I'm not one of these guys who is is very precious about it and says, "Oh no, I can only do such and such a thing," or "I am only interested in doing such and such a thing." If the, if the um, 
if the notion is good, if the if the work appeals to me, and I'm lucky that you know that that work comes my way, um, then I you know I don't then I then I'll then I'll give it a go, especially sure. if it's outside my comfort zone. I mean, this Dungeons and Dragons thing is well outside my comfort zone. I've had to look the the the, the learning curve. Yeah. That I've had to do sure. to get this right to get it. You know, to get what we need to do, you know, the structure of it has really has really challenged me in a way that I haven't been challenged for a while. So where I said to you the comic strip, the Doctor Who comic strip, the 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 thing of warp was relatively painless and relatively easy. Uh-huh. Doing this Dungeons and Dragons thing and getting that right. Uh, and then you know, making sure that we're including the game mechanics that you need to 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 put all that. That's been a real challenge, a real challenge. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's uh, writing, uh, you know, to me is something that if going from from one thing to another different medium that you need the writing for, whether it be a comic strip yeah. or a novel or TV. It, there is going to be a learning curve of some sort, and you're going right. to have to to learn the the structure that you need to to put forth, it, writing it to to pull off what needs to be told or the the way it needs to be told and whatever you're doing. Having a having a conversation with my my partner in grime, Stephen Saville, um, this yesterday about it, and we we you know I designed one thing that had to happen and he said well but what if the player is this type of player paladin and the 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 way to get through the the challenge that i'd set was to steal something and he's saying well a paladin character you know might have a really strong moral sense and might not want to steal anything and Uh it hadn't even occurred to me so i had to go back and 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 re-engineer that so that a paladin, a character, you know, a character that's brought to it who is a paladin with a really strong moral sense, would still find a way through. Otherwise, they would be always be blocked, wouldn't they? Or they, yeah. and they, you know, so, so those are the, you know, because I don't play Dungeons and Dragons. I, I you know, I, uh-huh. I had a go about probably about 30, 35 years. Ago, <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, and so I've never looked at the fifth edition rules or anything now until now. So there's a very, you know, so much to learn, so many things to take into account. Because when you're writing a book, it doesn't, it's not, it's not so much, you don't have to take into account the moral stance of the reader. Yeah. They can always put the book down. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I had some reviews. I mean, I'm not going to go into too many details, but, uh, you know, some of the reviews of some of the prepper books, I've written, you know, they've had some great reviews, but some people have called them, you know, like a left-wing masturbatory fantasy, you know, <laughs> things like that, because because there are scenes where the where the where the um where the main character didn't just blow people's heads off, you know, uh, that's what they wanted. They wanted people's heads being blown off, and I, you know, <laughs> I, I I I was a little bit less head blowy off. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so so yeah, some of the some of the reviews were. Were challenging to say the least. Huh. So, so the, the 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 Trump supporting yeah. contingent didn't like that. It, so not, but, not violent enough. No, but so what? So so but in writing those, I could write anything I wanted. I didn't have to take into account that you know Republicans and Democrats would be reading them or or, or whatever you want to call them. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, so I didn't have to take that into account. But with the Dungeons and Dragons, because people are role playing, you have to make the game playable by any type of character. And that's a particular challenge as well that I've never faced before. So mm -hmm. that's interesting. That's interesting. Really, that really interests me. But what a learning curve. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, well, you know, Paul. Uh, I think as far as learning curves go, uh, looking at this comic strip that you're that you've done for Vorp Vorp, uh, it looks like you've you've you and Simon have knocked it out of the park. And uh, Thank you. I, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed your your first foray into doing a comic strip. And I hope oh, it's not just a, a one off. And I hope that you uh, continue to do stuff, if nothing else, for the next issue of Vorp Vorp magazine. Well, well, we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Lance did a brilliant one last. Lance Parkin did a brilliant one last issue where yeah. he he got to continue. You know, he did a sequel to Iron Legion, yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah, it was. Uh, really, really, really good. I would kill to do a sequel to Tides of Time. I would absolutely. <laughs> I would. I would kill to do that. But. um We'll see. We'll see. Yep. And, you know, they, you know, there's lots of other people who can write comics, you know. Yeah. So yep, um, very true. But I'll, you know, if they, if they, if they, if they let me playing this sandbox again, um, I would, I would bite their arm off. Trust me. <laughs> well, Paul, it's been a, a pleasure to, to catch up with you. I know we Thank chat you. back and forth on uh, the internet every once in a while, but yeah. actually talking to you uh, through Zoom, kind of pseudo face to face uh, after all yep. this time. Uh, it's been great to catch up with you again, and uh, I look forward to seeing you somewhere down the road. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And and please, please, everybody go out and buy this award for because I am so proud of that comic strip. But the rest of it will be amazing as well. It's a brilliant magazine. It is. It is. And for those, if you're a Doctor Who comic strip fan, like anybody who listens to this podcast, you definitely owe it to yourself to to get the new issue and past yeah. issues of Vort Vort magazine, you definitely will not regret it. I think I think I'm I'm I may be wrong, but I think they've just reprinted the earlier issues in in omnibus. Yeah, they, I think they just did a new printing of the first two uh, combined yeah. together into an omnibus. Which are great. Which yeah, are they're and they're time. They're, all the issues are timeless. It's like you know, it's something you can read no matter what. No, they're superb, and I, and there's a lot of reading in there as well. A lot of reading. So I, I cannot, you know, say too much about Vault Vault. It's just brilliant. I'm very, very, very grateful to be given the opportunity, and I've loved it. Absolutely loved it, and love talking to you, mate. It's been really, really good. Really good to catch up. Yeah, same here, Paul. Thank you, and uh, continue success in your writing. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Good luck with uh, your podcast too. Today on Doctor Who Panel to Panel, we are talking about the new issue of Vort Vort magazine, and I have the pleasure of bringing back somebody who is a friend of the show, Fez Ramon. Fez, great to have you back on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Now, we talked a, a while back. Uh, you were an artist on one of the uh, cutaway comics. You did one of the backup stories, and I'm sure that's how you kind of got into uh, working on the new issue of Vort Vort magazine, isn't it? That's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, so we've got Gareth, uh, who, who I know you're speaking with as well, who looks after the most of the work that goes on Cutaway. And on the sort of production side of it, you've got Colin Brockhost, who works on uh, on Cutaway. But Colin is really the mastermind behind all the good stuff that's going on Vorp Vorp. And personally, I have to thank for just the amazing magazines that I, I as a fan, have been enjoying. And I'm sure you have mm -hmm. too. Oh, much Colin definitely. Exactly. And Colin was the letterer 
uh, and designer for the cutaway books that I worked on and the strips I did for Happiness Patrol. And then he contacted me a few months ago to say if I'd be interested in uh, helping contribute to, a, to a, what was then a, a five or a six page strip uh, in uh, in the latest uh, Vault, Vault magazine, which is indeed a sort of celebration of all the 60th anniversary uh, stories that are going on right now. So that's that's how that started. Okay. Um, yeah. And can you tell us, uh, well, first of all, the story that you're doing is a first doctor story. Um, and Correct. it's because the, the issue itself is kind of promoting or talking about the, as well as the anniversary, kind of promoting the uh, an earthly child or 100,000 B.C., the very first episode of Doctor Who. So um, what was it like drawing the first Doctor? Well, it wasn't the first time I've drawn him because one of the other side projects I've done is work on some of these uh, fan annuals that you may have heard of. Oh, yeah. Um, one of them was a first Doctor one, which didn't get a huge production run. It was, um, it was scuppered, I think, at the last minute by some technical issues, but it was a fantastic opportunity to draw the first Doctor. And the... That was my first real stab at drawing that version of the of the character. Okay. And the brief on that brief on that job was to make sure it was drawn with the same sort of production values and style that you would have done if you were drawing it at the time. So it was a nineteen sixty five annual, I think it was. Okay. Um, so you had to color it in that way. You had you couldn't use any reference shots that were in existence after the stories that would have been aired at the time of the book being produced. So it was it was done with those restrictions in mind and quite a fascinating project and a beautiful book oh, wow. that actually came out of it. Uh, if you can get your hands on that one, um, you, you'll have done a good job. It's a difficult one to find. <laughs> Um, but this job was slightly different. This brief was different. This was um, and quite different. Uh, so the first thing was I wasn't told who that writer was. Of course, obviously, I was asked, would you be interested in, in doing a strip that's set in, uh, I think it was just told that it was set in Shoreditch in 1963. And I was like, fantastic, because I'd already been drawing some things around that era anyway, just to sort of get a feel for it. Okay. Um, just for fun. And I shared it with Colin. And Colin was like, no, that's a great idea. Uh, it was just a fun idea around... Uh, the Kennedy assassination, which uh, happened the night before the first episode aired. So I tied those things together. And I'm sure people have done this before um, because we've already got that in mind. We've got something different. We've got uh, Lance Parkin writing the story. And I'm, I'm George Estrot. Lance is a, an amazing writer, <laughs> a doctor writer. And he's contributed to Vortport in the past, done some amazing comic book stuff, which I know you're aware of. Mm -hmm. um, and, of course, I was first aware of his books. Um, I think it was his very first one. So it was Just War. Uh, which I remember reading. I have happy memories of reading that. Uh, I think my first job out of university, I was staying in a bed and breakfast in the Cotswolds, and I was reading that book. So I have very vivid memories of his um, his thought process of putting that story together. I loved it. So uh -huh. I was really excited to hear about that. And uh, Lance has a very broad imagination, and he's not restricting you at all in terms of the era itself. His brief was very much, okay, we want to do the sort of the few minutes before An Earthly Child, but not restricted to what you saw in that episode. Done in a way, I think he, actually the words he described was he, he, one of the pages, which I'm not going to tell you about, but you'll see. He even said, think about it as a, as a Doctor Who on a Disney Plus budget back then. So we, oh, we really? had full, we, yes, so we had a bit of um, freedom, if you like, to sort of really sort of uh, broaden the horizons in terms of the stories that we were depicting, how we were depicting the visuals of it, which was, which was quite... Um, liberating and terrifying at the same time because i couldn't rely on stock shots or what i've seen in the episode you had to really think about what was in the script and really make it come to life 
Um, I think what you'll see when you start, and I've shared the first few pages with you, you've seen those, they've been yep. part of the promotion that's gone out. Uh -huh. it, it looks, I originally drew those and I didn't have that full brief at the time. Uh, and the script grew from uh, five or six pages to seven or eight, possibly even more, but we ended up with eight at the end. We had eight, so it's an eight page, eight page strip. Okay. It does feature the Doctor and Susan and a couple of other characters, which um, apparently were in the original sort of... Um, Sort of brief for Doctor Who, so then uh, it's not it's not Ian and Barbara, it's uh, it's Cliff and Lola, and they they've been repositioned in a way. So you'll see those characters. Uh, all will be explained when you see it. And the setting is the uh, is is Shoreditch. You, the opening pages are set in a in a sort of ironmongers where the Doctor's gathering some bits and pieces, and the bulk of the story is set in the uh, Shoreditch Library. And then they, uh, you'll find something is discovered. I know this was in the blurb about a book which uh, could present some danger for the Doctor and Susan, which is in the in the library itself. So you will see what happens there. Um, but yeah, it was uh, as I said, the brief itself was right. It's in Shoreditch. It's 1963. Uh, Lance gave me uh, a couple of uh, films to look at and research to sort of to get a feel for it, sort of like a film noir or a sort okay. of uh, you know the evening production. So it was. There was even thought at the time that this would be a black and white strip uh, or, or tinted in a way to look like gray and you know silver yeah. and make it look more like that. Um, but in the end, um, uh, Andrew Orton, who's my collaborator on, you know, he wrote the Happiness Patrol strips and, and colored them in a wonderful way. It, just, it doesn't even look like the same style. He's completely adapted his style. He's so versatile. It was uh -huh. so exciting to see what he's come up with. You've seen a few of those pages. They look very yeah. different to yeah. the Happiness Patrol pages. Yep, they sure do. And I've got more space to breathe, to let the story breathe. Happiness Patrol <laughs> was, was um, you know, there were, were two different stories. There were very different settings. Um, uh -huh. They had those words that every author, every artist loved to see, which is, you know, a crowd scene <laughs> yeah. you know, or, or a parade. And you think, oh, no, and I've got to fit this into two panels. Uh -huh. um, this, this was a much, uh, it is a much smaller cast, but it still has the streets of Shoreditch. And as it happens, my current job, my day job in marketing does take me to Shoreditch, so I, I was able to look around and see what the place is like, but you know, use the internet, do a lot of research on what that place would have looked like at the time, um, which you wouldn't have seen in the show because they just didn't have the budget to go out and do location shoots. Yeah. Um, and you know, you have to do all kinds of research in terms of it's interesting because even the buses look different, the you know, traffic lights look different, fashion sensors were different, everything. So you just have you try and get a feel for that. And then don't worry too much about it because it is only eight pages and it is a slightly um, universe to the left just a little bit because you'll see the doctors. I originally drew the doctor exactly like I saw him in, in, the, in the pilot episode. So same sort of hat and everything. Uh -huh. And then Colin was like, oh, let's make it a little bit different. And then you'll see you'll see the costume is, a, is, is quite different in the end uh, in terms of what uh, you might have imagined. And it's quite cool looking. It's quite a cool looking doctor. Um, I mean, Lance described my uh, depiction of him as, uh, I think, David Bowie sort of cross cosplay. I think it was David Bowie cosplaying as Frank Sinatra, which is quite good. Um, <laughs> I did use I did use Frank Sinatra as, a, as inspiration um, for the outfit. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun to draw that and the setting, and just a real blast to be part of it. The story, as I said, is is a is a nice one. It's a nice twist to it, um, and the Disney Plus part of it i refer to will become clear by the time you get to the end okay and then uh, and as i said the color uh, the use of color throughout the strip is it's actually quite important i think the andrew's done a fantastic job on that um and uh, and colin's done the lettering so as always really professional job I, i'm always been so impressed with what magazine in terms of what these guys have put together 
And I think Colin is stuck to his guns and made sure that it's uh, as slick as anything you could uh, you could get out there. It's a labor of love for everybody involved. You know, everybody knows that, and it's uh, yeah. it's an amazing production. But as a as a celebration of what we're going through now in terms of the 60th anniversary, uh, and it is a 60th anniversary of I know it's the 60th anniversary of the whole year, but specifically of the, that particular uh, first few episodes. Uh, yeah. This one really does give you everything you could possibly want, plus give you something new and different and take things in a different direction. Um, I think that's what makes it most exciting. So these these books, these magazines are uh, not only a celebration of what happened, the research and the in-depth and the insight that goes into the articles, the, the care that goes into the writing and the production, it's second to none. I'm so impressed with what the team have put together. Uh, it's just fun to be part of it. Yeah, you, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. Vort Vort magazine is something that, uh, every issue, they it's hard for them to improve on something that is so perfect for a uh, a professional fanzine. But every issue, it, it just gets better and better. The the articles that they have are so uh, well written and detailed and well researched. And not only that, but just the layout of the magazine and the the comic strips that they put in there, the original comic strips that they do, um, are a kind of a, a combination of giving the the fans something that they have thought about or um, have talked about. And it's kind of fan service to a degree, but not like overstepping the boundary line of being uh, extreme fan service. It's something that you you can read and go, yes, this is really professional. You know, the, the artwork is, is great. The story is well done, but it's not something you would read on some uh, somebody's fan site somewhere. I agree. And I think that's the thing that makes it a little bit special. Uh, and if you think about the standing of the comic strip uh, in the Doctor Who world of the last few months, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, you, sometimes you see the production that's coming out from the professional outfits and it, it does seem more like fan service than what this stuff does. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't always push the story forwards, but I'm really excited to see, for example, that Doctor Who magazine has put the strip back where it belongs, right at the front. Um, it feels like it's part of the storyline. You can appreciate it. You can easily see how it fits into the canon. The current run has just finished. Um, here in the UK, we've just had Children in Need, very, very yep. cause, and Doctor Who was part of that. And there was a little scene that you could easily imagine leading on from the last storyline that they did in the magazine and before it leads on to the special that we're going to look forward to. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and, and so the comics in themselves as a whole – uh, seem to be getting an appreciation from the very top. You know, the next, you know, we know the next episode is based on a Doctor Who weekly strip, yep. which you could never imagine a few years ago, which is you know absolutely amazing. Uh, so it's really nice that this is a part of a long tradition of comics have been around almost as long as the show, and I think long may it continue. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The 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 comic strip to me, being a comic book fan and a, the Doctor Who comic strip is a, a very important part of. Uh, what makes Doctor Who special and what makes fan Doctor Who fandom special. And Vort Vort magazine is also a part of that because they help promote the the fan side of Doctor Who um, to the utmost degree. You know, it's something that if you get a copy of, of, of Vort Vort magazine, you could put it right next to Doctor Who magazine um, as far as the production value and how, how amazing it looks and how it looks like a professional work, which it, it is basically. Um, it's just that it's a bunch of fans that have put this together and, yeah. uh, it's, it's, um, but you're also seeing that the, the, you know, Gareth and Colin have managed to bring in some of the artists that actually worked on the professional 
comic strips as well uh, to celebrate the work that's been going on in this issue and in the previous issue. Um, so that's um, just lends to its quality. So yeah, again, can't, just really happy to be part of the project. Yeah. Um, so Fez, this, you, you've done several uh, Doctor Who related or comic related stuff, um, whether it be the, the Happiness Patrol's uh, backup strip that you did or or this uh, strip in Vorp Vorp. Do you have any uh, upcoming things uh, that you can talk about, projects you're I'm working on? Gonna, at the moment, there's just um, some fan stuff going on at the moment, so just things that I dip in. I yeah. do have a full-time day job, so I enjoyed this as a side thing, but it's really <laughs> nice to be appreciated for some of the work that I've been doing. Um, so uh, there's a company, well, a team of people that put together these uh, these annuals. Again, very slick productions. Again, mm -hmm. Labour of Love, but I'm part yeah. of it. So Terraquist. They've done, they've recently done a Paul McGann annual. So there's an eighth doctor annual, which never existed, but it sort of fills in the gap and uh -huh. um, contributed a, uh, some artwork to that one. And then now they've got a, a licensed project, which is coming out, which I'm not able to say what it is right now, but it is from the classic era. And we're hoping to get that uh, into production very soon. So I've got the script and uh, there's a great bunch of people working on that as well. Again, you, you, you know, the, the production quality and the, it, it just looks so slick. So I'm working on that soon. Next thing I'll be working on is illustrating that particular storyline. I'll share more on that with you. That's not a comic. That's more, uh, you know, prose with illustrated, like you would see sure. in the annuals. Uh -huh. um, but I'm hoping to get more uh, comic strip work done soon. The funny thing is when I did this one for Colin, I was actually, the first bits, of, the first sort of uh, sort of layouts I did, I did in my hospital bed. I was having a shoulder operation, not my drawing arm, not my oh, drawing really? hand. Like, yeah, so I, I I knocked these out, and I was really sort of. It was nice to have. I had a few weeks off because I was recovering, and I was able to draw this stuff. And uh, it was nice to do that. And then I sort of finished it off in my spare time. So it's taken. Mm -hmm. They've given me enough time to do it. But it's uh, you know, producing comic work is is quite time consuming, and it's uh, yeah. But it's definitely. absolutely it's, a joy. it's an absolute joy. I mean, you you're an artist as well. I know you've done this yep. in the past. It, yeah, something that can take very uh, a lot. It's a lot. It takes a lot of dedication to do, but I do enjoy it a lot. Um, and I think I mentioned to you last time I pretty much moved to whole digital now as well. So it's nice that everything I do is kept in one place and stored. So it's not like you know, art pads and bits of yeah. paper that I used to do. Doodling. It's it's all collected. It gives me time to sort of pull things together. So. Like I said, I was sketching things out all on the sort of iPad Pro, lying in that hospital bed on for a couple of days and, and laying out a couple of pages. In fact, the pages you've seen, I did those there. And uh -huh. I was able to sort of tighten those up when I got home and then um, just, you know, ink them in and then able to see the, able to send them over to Lance and to Colin just for approval, say like, this is the direction we're going in. And they were able to give me quick advice in terms of what we wanted to do, how we wanted to move forward, what the character design should be. Yeah. Um, and the other interesting thing is, as you start laying these panels out, the first thing you do is you have to, you know, what I do is I take the script and I, I put it into an Excel spreadsheet, into a table, and I block out every single panel that the writer has described. Like, this is what he wants to see. Sure. And then I and then I look at, okay, that's great, but then how do I make this work better on a page? What do I need to do to make this actually come alive artistically? And they give me the freedom to do that, as I'm sure they would for most artists. So. Mm -hmm. They may not have an establishing shot in the same way that I would see it. So there's a library shot coming in, in the scene, and the first panel is inside the library. You don't see the outside until the characters leave the library. So, uh, But there was also something about the doctor approaching the library. So I changed it around a little bit, so did the research, and now the first panel is an establishing shot of the library with the doctor walking in towards it, and then the dialogue is coming, uh, it, it's telling you that the dialogue is coming from inside that building, and then it moves on to the story. And then I didn't okay. need to draw 
the scene of them leaving the library directly because it, it was it was explicit in the way I've yeah. drawn it. The storytelling is um, is hopefully will make it clear what's going on. That's the idea. So I work very hard to make sure that the beats of the story are clear for the reader so they know visually what's going on. You know, you don't have to read all the dialogue to be able to see this is the library, this is where they are, this is where the conversation is taking place, and this is how the stories are moving forward. So that part of the job, the, the storytelling part of it, I actually really enjoy, as well as the draftsmanship, which is, you know, where I'm just trying to get better every time in terms of, um, you know, the way you, you, you work on drapery and lighting, all these kind of things. Uh -huh. um, you can always practice that all the time, you know, just sitting in a in a bus stop or wherever you are and just what's in front of you, just encourage people to just draw if that's what they're interested in doing. Yep. But the storytelling part is a tricky one where, you know, the, the writer can give you a particular description, but as you're drawing, you, you have to put yourself in the mind of the reader. Does this make sense? Is the relationship between these characters clear? Do we know these characters what these characters' relationship is from because the description may say it, but that's not in the in the script. So how do you know that the right the reader knows this is what's going on? So we and sometimes I pass some notes back, say this would be good if we had this bit in the dialogue and so on and so forth. But with a, with a professional mm -hmm. like Lance, very rarely needed because the guy knows exactly. <laughs> what um, these these people are so good at what they're doing. There was none of that, but it was more down to me in terms of just the pacing um, and interpreting what they wanted to do, and then getting their feedback is is so much fun because. You don't know if you're gonna if they're gonna exactly like what you've done, but uh, so far the feedback's been really positive for me. So I'm I'm happy with the way it's landed with the with internal team. I'm just looking forward to it um, getting into the hands of the readers, which I think it will do very very soon. Yeah, it's uh, the pre-orders are up now, and uh, it's supposed to be released uh, sometime uh, very soon. Start send, getting sent out, and uh, everybody will be able to take a look at your artwork and Lance's story, as well as uh, a couple other strips and lots and lots of articles about the anniversary of Doctor Who. Uh, I'm, I know I'm looking forward to it, and I always eagerly wait for that next issue of Vort, Vort Magazine, which I think anybody who's read an issue of, of their wonderful work uh, feels the same way. So Exactly. And I, I just want to give a big shout-out to Colin because he's put thousands of hours into this, really, literally, you know. Um, and the guy's a machine, the way he's put this together. And he, do you remember how long we had to wait between issues, issue yeah. one and issue two? Yeah. Uh, and now it feels like this is becoming a regular thing, and it's uh, it's it's terrifying how much energy the guy's got in putting <laughs> stuff together. But I'm just, just uh, like you, as a fan, I'm really excited to get my hands on this, and just um, I can't tell you how excited it is to be part of it. <laughs> Yeah, so everybody who's listening, make sure you go to vorpvorp.co.uk and order your copy and order uh, back issues if you haven't uh, picked up an, an issue before. And uh, Fez, thank you for joining me on this episode and uh, talking about your strip. And I look forward to seeing uh, more work from you down the road. It's an absolute pleasure, Jeremy. And also a big thank you for you for waving the flag for all things Doctor Who comic related. It's uh, You're a, a shining light in this world, and I think uh, everybody appreciates the work that you do. And uh, it's, thank you again for inviting me on. Not a problem. Thank you, sir. Take care. Today on Doctor Who Panel to Panel, I have the pleasure of chatting with a very busy gentleman, Gareth Kavana. Gareth, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's a busy time, but always happy to make time for your podcast. Well, thank you. I, I truly appreciate it. This this is uh, my anniversary episode podcast, and I couldn't think of anything better to do than to uh, have you and some of the people that are working on projects that you're associated with uh, chat with about these projects. So I want to talk oh, to you about all the different things you have going on. First thing I want to talk about, it's not really your project, it's more of Colin Brockers' project, but the new issue of Vorp Vorp 
just came out um, um, available for people to order. That's right. Well, I mean, Warp Warp is still a joint a joint venture between us. Mm-hmm. Um, our roles have changed over the years. So the first issue, I was pretty much the editor and Colin was designer. And then I said, well, you know, we've done so much work together. I think we should be co-editors. And then we were co-editors for issue two and issue three. And then issue four, we did something different. So I said, look, we're all quite busy. Um, and I think that, you know, there's two distinct jobs here. So we'll we'll plan out the issues together. Uh-huh. Um, and then you will become editor. So, you know, so the, the voice of the magazine um, is, is going to be predominantly you. And I will be publisher, which is all of the, the sort of grisly stuff that's under the hood. <laughs> and all the, you know, all the, all the sort of businessy things and shipping things and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's 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 a it's a it's an arrangement that works very well indeed. I have to mm-hmm. say, and you know, and sometimes there's things that we chat about, and sometimes there's things that I think, oh, that would be nice, and then sometimes Colin will say, "What do you think of this?" and and yeah, and of course, there's always the free gifts. So I I I still have a, quite a big stake in the free gifts because uh-huh. generally we have to manufacture those and we have to commission those. So it's um. Yeah, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? Vort Vort, but it's uh it's still here. And I think if we hadn't if we hadn't done a sort of division of labor, I don't think we'd have made it beyond issue three. So it's uh it's hopefully keeping uh gas in the tank for a good few issues to come. Yeah. And I, I like I always tell people it's I always say it's hard to call it a fanzine because it, it looks so professional and so professionally made. And uh, I've, I've somebody else I talked to uh, referred to as a professional fanzine, which I think describes it perfectly. But uh, this new yeah. issue that's, that's coming out uh, is focusing kind of on celebrating the anniversary of Doctor Who and kind of focusing on the very beginning of the show, both uh, doing it through articles that you always have in the magazine, as well as some new comic strips. Yeah, so it's a so it's a slight diversion um, from what we would normally do. So our focus is is very much on um, on art and artists and fan culture and Doctor Who magazine and the comic strips, uh, you know, which has been a a rich seam and one that we'll be coming back to, you know, in, in future issues. But for this one, it was a feeling that well, it's a sixtieth, so why don't we um, go back to the very beginning? And see if we can use our our fantastic, absolutely fantastic stable of um, of fan scholars, fan artists, um, you know, CG guys, and and really do something interesting around the genesis of of the show, mm-hmm. which I think, um, well, I, I very much hope people will enjoy, which is something a little bit different. Yeah, it's uh, you know, from the the press release that you put out and and uh giving highlights which people will have heard in my my new segment of this episode um there's lots of really good interesting articles about whether it be uh recreating the the studio layout for the the original recording of yeah. uh unearthly child or 100,000 BC um to um in an interview with Carol Ann Ford about being on the show um, you you cover lots and lots of different bases in this issue. 
We do. And I, I think we have the luxury of still being, because we have Warp, Warp, of still being niche and um, and doing incredibly deep dives into some of the uh, the lesser visited parts of the show. Mm-hmm. So that's still very much there in the DNA. Um, so as you say, so the, um, the, the recreation of the sets in Lime Grove being brilliantly done by Andrew Autom, who of course is uh, someone I work with very closely at Cutaway Comics as our primary colorist yeah i was really thrilled that we we went back to have a look at mark gatus's adventure in space and time because i always think that's a a very special um you know wonderful drama about you know exactly about what the issue is about which about the sort of genesis of the program and how it you know how it got off the ground and all the problems it had to face and Mm -hmm. you know having a chat with brian cox as well was the absolute icing on the cake you know not only (laughs) A wonderful Sydney Newman, but an incredible actor, and as someone who's just thrilled to succession for five six years, um, just wonderful to see him in there. The one that I think people, I know that Colin derived a lot of satisfaction from it, and you know, we I remember we were knocking back some back and forth some um, emails. Is the work he's done to sort of track down um, detail on Reg Cranfield. Who uh-huh. is not a name will will jump to most people's mind, but is the very first person we see on screen in an unearthly child. He's the uh, policeman in the in the junkyard, and he's uh-huh. also, you know, he's also turns up as an extra in Doctor Who again and again. And but you know, he's the very first, and and we knew nothing about him. Yeah. It was amazing. There was something very inaccurate on IMDb that everyone kind of just assumed was correct. And Brian, you know, not Brian and Colin at you know has been absolutely tenacious tracking down lead after lead after lead, you know, because there were so many Reg Cranfields out there of of a similar age. It was uh, remarkable. So that I th- that I think that I hope people will get a lot out of because it's it it's genuine craft and research and and tenacity. You know, these are all qualities that that I always associate with with Colin. He's an absolute you know bloodhound dog with a bone never gives up Uh so uh, there's a lot to enjoy in that i think yeah i'm I'm looking forward to reading that article and uh you also have uh three new comic strips in in this new issue Mm. is that correct absolutely so it wouldn't be warp warp if we didn't bring you uh wonderful new comic strips Uh and you know i think we have some great ones here um and again with sometimes with people that we've worked with before, like Paul Ebbs and uh, Tim Quinn and Tim Keeble. Yeah. And then we've got um, people who've come from the, the cutaway side. So the great phase um, who was, um, who, who won, who was like the runner, uh, one of the runners up in the open artist competition that we did um, uh-huh. for, for Paradise Towers. Gosh, now about two and a half years ago. Yeah. And it's an absolutely superb strip written with real style by Lance Parkin. Very, very clever. Um, you, you know, I God, I mean, I'm almost aching to see, you know, I think the olden days that Lance would have done an entire, an entire sort of, you know, missing adventure Doctor Who book with that. It, it, it's it's yeah. very good. So they're yeah. all, they're all terrific. And of course, we get to have a a, a crack at showing uh, Shooty Gatwa's 15th Doctor in, in the strip. Uh-huh. Which is it's all good fun as it should be, you know. Brilliant art, three fantastic teams, three three I think fun fun strips. Yeah, uh, I've I've had the pleasure of seeing some of the artwork for two of the three strips, and uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh-huh. They are a lot of fun and uh, well written, uh, great little uh, just kind of one off short stories. 
And uh, yeah. I, I think anybody who's a, a Doctor Who comic fan is going to enjoy reading those. That's right. Um, and we also took the time to catch up with Scott Gray and Martin Garrity as well to chat Hunters of the Burning Stone, which, you know, I remember being one of the highlights of the 50th anniversary, you know, scarily yep. 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and I had, um, I met Martin for a cup of tea actually yesterday um, to get some fat copies of Faustine signed. And, um, and we had a good chat about Hunting Stone. And he said that was, you know, that was one of, one of the absolute highlights of working on the strip over all those years. This one, oh, yeah. he said, he said everyone brought their A game to that. You know, mm-hmm. everyone, and, and he was, you know, he, he was he was very fond. So it's great to be able to, I think, remember and celebrate that because it's it's a very clever strip again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, like I like I keep uh, I'm preaching to everybody out there that if you haven't picked up a copy of Fort Vort magazine or ordered a copy you don't know what you're missing it's it's more than a magazine it's almost like a bookazine um with all yeah. the information that's in yeah. there and um people can go to vortvort.co.uk and order the pre-order the new issue which will be coming out uh anytime soon i would imagine we'll start shipping in about two to two and a half weeks okay yeah um, and you, you also still have some issues uh previous issues as well available we do oh yes yes so we, we 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 try and keep um we try and keep things in stock so we've got the um the compendium back in stock with an updated cover with with shooting gator on there this is really wonderful mm-hmm. beautiful composition and we've updated the poster so you get the, the free poster with all the doctors and and yeah we've got um because we 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 one of the things I've realized is is that people are discovering Vorp Vorp almost all the time. Every time we put a new one out, it's amazing. Yeah. People go, oh my God, this looks quite good. And then they start to buy the back catalog. So we've got we've got half price offers on um uh the brilliant Martin Garrity issue three cover. That's the four ninety nine, four pound uh-huh. ninety nine. Yeah. And we've got a couple of the uh issue four covers also at four ninety nine. So it's uh you can, you know, you can be completely up to date if you haven't, you know, if you haven't, haven't already. Um, they'll also be available um, in comic shops through Diamond, but only in the UK. Um, unfortunately, okay. Diamond US um, don't stock fanzines. So it, uh-huh. it's, it's something that we've had conversations before. Issue three did manage to get in, actually, and was very popular in the States, but we've never got back in since then. So I guess policies have changed. Yeah. Um, so we do apologize for the enormous postage to the States. Um, what I would say is that um, myself and Ian Winston will be at um, Gallifrey One in Los Angeles this coming February, and we, we uh-huh. will have some copies with us. So if if you're going to that or have a friend going to that and want to pick up, you know, some Vorp Vorps, yep. then you'll be able to just pick it up and not worry about paying big postage. So it's a, uh, we do our best. No, oh, definitely. Um, and, and before we leave the subject of VORP, VORP, I would be, it'd be horrible of me not to ask you about the free gift that comes with the, the uh, new issue. Oh God. Yeah. Now, now this, this is something that I have been, you know, quite involved in on, uh-huh. and there, there is some incredible talent. So, you, you know, we always like to do something different. And and this time round, it's the free gift is a DVD which has got some incredible animations on there, things that we're all very proud of. So the main piece is is really the um, is, is an extraordinary animation called "A Meeting on the Common," 
which is an animation, 18-minute animation or full cast of the opening chapter of David Whittaker's 1964 book, um, Doctor Who and an Exciting Adventure with the Daleks. And what makes that stand out is that it's a much-loved book, but Whittaker, obviously looking at this as a standalone, uh, wrote his own opening to Doctor Who. So there's the first uh-huh. chapter is on Barnes Common, and it's quite different. You know, uh, Ian is on his way back from a an interview with the Rocket Factory that he hasn't got. His car breaks down on Barnes Common, foggy Barnes Common. He uh, hears Barbara crying for help because they've had a, a they've had a car accident with a with an army truck, and 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 they're looking for Susan because Barbara's been giving Susan a lift home to Barnes Common, and there they meet the Doctor. Um, and the adventure begins. So it's it's very different. It's very clever. It's it's brilliantly done, and it's all been animated from start to finish by an incredible. Um, I mean, just a massive talent. I can't believe he's only eighteen. It's a, a guy called Mel Meanley, um, who's who's based in the southwest of England, uh, came to our attention early in the year when he released his. Um, I don't know if you saw it. Incredible. Um, animation recreation of the Celestial Toymaker Part One. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Bloody hell, that's amazing! And you know, he did that on his own with his friends and a mocap suit. Stunning work. And I thought, well, this is the guy. Really, if we can get him, we're sorted. And through that, you know, he he said yes. And then we, um, Ian Winston, one of Cutaway's writers, adapted it into a script. And everything kind of fell into place. You know, we got Stephen Noonan has played the Doctor, who is also the Doctor for the Big Finish first Doctor box sets. Brilliant. Yeah. Adam Grayson, who's a, a you know a local um, a local Manchester actor who's wonderful as Ian. You know, Helen Helen Sterling Lane is is Barbara. You know, we, we met Helen at, at a at a Doctor Who convention in Blackpool at Easter time, and and I just suddenly thought. Oh yeah, she's she's brilliant. She's got that. You know, she's got everything that you would want in Barbara. Uh-huh. And then Kerry Eli as as Susan. Again, we wanted someone, you know, who had that youthful feel. And Kerry, someone I've known for a long time. Um, and I always give her horrible jobs, bless her. You know, she, <laughs> she, was, she was the director with ten days' notice for the Robots of Death stage show after the original director had gone walkies, and she did a wonderful job. So, uh-huh. so yeah. So that's it was, so it's a full cast. It's um, the animation is 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 so stylish. It's three D. It's in a painterly style. It's it's got amazing new music by Andromeda Burroughs. It's you know we've been helped out by uh, Martin Garrity has helped out a little bit. And yeah. and also um, uh, Daryl Joyce helped out with some of the painted backdrops and the, the incredible crash truck is one of his. So it's great. I mean, it, it's such a thrill to bring that, you know, in high standard. And I hope people uh-huh. will enjoy it because it's 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 kind of like a great what if, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, I sometimes wonder that if an unearthly child had had been wiped you know, whether something like this might have been done. So we see. Yeah. And and it's not the only thing on the disc. So we've also got um we've we've got an audience of Warris Hussain, which is a um it's an interview that we we did a full studio interview. When I say we, this was um Room 5064, who is the parent company of Cutaway Comics. Uh-huh. 
And we did, we did these kind of audience with events in a TV studio in Liverpool, and this was one of them. So it's filmed in very high quality. Uh, Warris chats very candidly, very very warmly about his career. So I think people will enjoy that. We thought it was important to have Warris's voice in there. Yeah, there's a there's a very interesting short drama sort of which we presented as a telesnap reconstruction, uh, which was a brilliant idea from um, Colin and. I think it was Siobhan. And and that is basically it's a it's a little sort of eight six, eight minute drama, which we're saying, you know, this was made in 1966 and vanished, but it imagines the doctor and uh Stephen Taylor just you know, they talk about consequences of travel with the doctor and why you okay. can never go back. And of course they stumble on a particular junkyard in Totters Lane at that during what this conversation. So uh-huh. and we got and Peter Purvis has come back to play Stephen again. And so so it's as authentic as you can yeah. get with, with Shabor Galahan playing the um the doctor. So it's 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 good. And then finally, and I think the thing that that people in our world, we'll particularly enjoy, and it'd be good to see <laughs> when you it, is uh, the brilliant, you know, Graham Kibble White uh-huh. came with an idea and he said, I would like to do a little five-minute short episode um, imagining what Doctor Who would look like if Hanna-Barbera had made it in 1966. And yeah. this is the, the wonderful We Flame to Please. So... <laughs> It's got all those laughter tracks. It's got the amazing soundtrack. It looks and feels just like Doctor Who and and Barbara and Ian um, on a jaunt to the Stone Age, getting into a terrible fix over a sausage and um, <laughs> and, and and a campfire. So it, it's it's a brilliant package. You know, I'm very proud of it, and I know everyone is. We've all put a lot into this. It's all been brilliantly mastered and pulled together by Sean Mason, who does all of our um, AV and VAM discs for Cutaway Comics. So it, it's good. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, if if a sort of week's worth of reading in the magazine is not enough for you, I think there's a whole evening of entertainment on that disc, at least. So Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree with you with that. Uh, I, I've seen... Uh, a little bit of a tease of the uh, the animation for the uh, David Whittaker uh, animated that looked just amazing. Um, mm. And I, I the as far as the uh, Graham Kibble White uh, animated, I I know just a couple of days ago or a day or two ago, you released uh, a, a kind of a trailer for Vorp, Vorp magazine that had his animation uh, and included some Daleks reading the new issue of Vorp Vorp yeah. as a way of promoting yeah. the, the magazine, which I thought was hysterical and charming all at once. It was, yeah, it was a very fun, lovely. I mean, to be fair to, to Graham, I think we're recording this on a Sunday. I think it was uh-huh. last Sunday. He okay. emailed us and said, um, I've got a bit of time. Um, I've got an idea for a trailer. Um, do you think Siobhan would be up for... Um, recording the dialogue and i think i'll have something ready for wednesday and i wow. thought wow okay and and lo and behold this arrived on wednesday and um and we we put it straight out there and it does seem to have been well received which is is nice but it's it's a bit of fun and it's a uh-huh. you know i love the what ifs i love those little what ifs and what what as much as anything allows us to explore these what ifs you know what if the opening to Doctor Who is that opening chapter? You know, what if yeah. Hannah Barbera make Doctor Who? What if 
there was this little drama made in 1966 with Purvis and you know and, mm-hmm. and all the cast that's been wiped and we only have telesnaps. Yeah. Um so it, it's it's the fun stuff, you know. We talked before we came on about, you know, I'm busy, but at least I have fun. And I said, Well, that's half true. Um, but the bits we're talking about, yeah, there's a lot of fun in that. Uh-huh. And we get to share that fun with everyone else. So it's it's you know, it it's it's very exciting. Yeah, well, I, on behalf of everybody else, thank you very much for for all this work and effort that you put in to uh, share your fun with all of us. Um, uh, moving moving on from Vorp Vorp, I guess the next thing I want to bring up is uh, you just uh, launched and fully funded uh, a Kickstarter for a foray into a nonfiction book that you're putting out. Yeah, so this is something brand new for Cutaway Comics, but again. This is something that's been in, God, it's been in development for probably coming up for four years. Wow. That's how long some of these things can take. And uh-huh. it's had it's had various different forms. But yes, the, 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 so the book we've just kickstarted and funded, fully funded in an hour and a half, which is great. It was is a um is is a big book about Philip Hinchcliffe's era, which is the first in a series of similar big format lavish coffee table books um but we're calling the dna of doctor who and they're all edited by they're edited by gary russell the brilliant gary russell Mm -hmm. and they consist of really i think this one is 17 essays by different writers uh, brilliant writers that gary's curated uh, all examining different aspects of each story or thematic things that touch on those stories and consider the whole of Doctor Who or sometimes a very, very tight part of that. And okay. it, it's a, you know, it's been a joy to bring that together. We've worked very closely with Philip and Philip is Philip's voice is in there very strongly because he also uh committed to doing 25 hours of interviews with Graham Burke. Oh uh, wow brilliant Graham Burke during during lockdown. So they would Skype uh, for about an hour, okay, every week or every couple of weeks, and and just and we got all those tapes, and uh, Gary has sort of gone through all of those, and and so you've got a kind of essay, and then there's a there's a response from Philip, or not quite a response, but it's like this is what Philip thinks about this area. These are Philip's thoughts in the area, so he's okay. he's very much in there, and he's you know we 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 chat regularly. Um, and you know he, he's 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 very engaged. He's absolutely thrilled by the response. You know, I rang him up and I said, "Yeah, we we were funded in a, in just over an hour," and he couldn't believe it. He was, <laughs> he was really chuffed. Uh-huh. So it, again, so it's something different. It's beautiful. Um, I would imagine we're pretty sure now to do the next couple of books in the series, which we which we've got mapped out. Which I'd love to say what they are, but I can't. Yeah. Um, but they are exciting. And then we've got something very different as well. So there's a, another large format book on something quite different, um, but also brilliant, which we're working on. So, so it's a new it's a new string to our bow for Cutaway Comics. But the comics are still coming as well. We've got lots of comics in development and getting ready for Kickstarters early in the new year. Oh, that is awesome to hear. So, let, well, let's jump right into the the comic side of things. Um, I guess the most recent thing that was uh, funded via Kickstarter was Inferno. Am I remembering that right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. That was only a month ago. Okay. So, so Gary Russell writing and um, and John Ridgway 
on 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 art duty. Uh-huh. So that, that was the prequel. So that was great. That that yeah that 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 funded and that was really good. And what what I was particularly gratified with that is we've moved now from you know traditional four issue miniseries, which were getting quite difficult. They were getting very difficult to be viable. Yeah. You know, with the massive increases in print and and mailing, uh-huh. um, and we've moved towards now prestige. Um, edition 48 page comics which i think are they're more viable all around um it lets us deliver a quality product and it means that a lot of the headaches and worries and stresses we were having you know we, we quite frankly print at one point last year print quotes were changing week by week you would you know you'd put in for a quote so you'd be like you know a month out from paradise towers issue three say and you you'd go out yeah. for a quote uh-huh. And they come back and say this quote is literally only good for five days. Yeah, it will go up next week, and it'll go up the week after. It'll go the week after. So it's a, it's a very difficult time, and I think it's a difficult time for our comics industry, full stop. And I don't quite have the answer for that yet, but I, I, I have a feeling that floppies or singles are pretty much only going to be something that Marvel or DC, you know, or the bigger companies, uh, you know, the Dark Horse yeah. do. I would. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure the rest of us are going to be able to do that. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't think I am. Yeah, with the 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 cost of everything always yeah. going up nowadays, it, it it it's a good yeah. question to wonder how viable a lot of the smaller uh, independent comic publishers are going to be able to keep doing what they're doing, and if they're going to switch over from doing single issues to more of like. Um, original graphic novels or putting a, a, yeah. a whole story together into a book and and just doing a, a print run of that and, and seeing if that yeah. will sell. I think it's a debate that's going to have to be had, you know, because it's because the other problem that, that singles or floppies, as they're curiously told, called, I think, in some areas, the single issues have, mm-hmm. is that although the costs have now been going up ludicrously, um, the cost of sale hasn't has stayed the same. You know, is yeah. it the stubborn benchmark that, that no one can move is five dollars for a single issue, which you know broadly translates to about four pounds over here. Yeah. And and really speaking, to make those worthwhile, they should be six, seven dollars, but the, the market won't move. And I think this is where we're going to end up with less comics in the in the coming years. Or it'll be a move towards you know, yeah, Marvel can do it, DC can do it, um, the big ranges can do it, the big titles can do it, the yeah. small breakouts, the indies, that's going to, I think we're going to have to move, as you say, to trade paperbacks, to um, prestige editions. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But, but we're still here. And I think the move has gone well for us. And it's the template. You know, all of our titles now are going to be prestige edition, 48 pages, full color, perfect bound decent amount of extras and commentary in the back so you know so we're still here and uh-huh. it's been very good for us this move yeah well that's that's good to hear and you know anything that i think you need to do in order to keep putting out such a good product that that cutaway comics does um is, is a good thing so um so along with inferno you also have uh gods and monsters coming up on the horizon yeah. too, don't you yeah, so the um, so the next two Kickstarters are going to be the next two Gods and Monsters books um, together. So that is probably going to be February, okay, February or March. 
It may switch around with the Happiness Patrol yet. We're still kind of working that one out. It's one one of those. And so the next two is Drax. So it's a brilliant Drax two-parter um, from Steve B. Scott, who, you know, absolute comic legend, uh-huh. uh, you know, big hitter with Marvel, DC, uh, Dark Horse, has done everything from Indiana Jones um, through to, the you know, all the big titles. Yeah. But he's an enormous Doctor Who fan. And and he's you know he's he, and he loves the script. He loves Drax. He remembers Drax as a kid watching, you know those uh-huh. the Armageddon factor on PBS. You know, yeah. so he's so he's there, and and that's going to be a so that's a I think that's a fifty page full strip okay. with um with with Ian, um and that's Drax in in the seventies in South London, but also we're taking Drax for the second half to LA. So oh, yeah. LA, you might see you might see a former governor of California in Muscle Beach. And never <laughs> know. Um, so yeah, and, and that came about because obviously we we now go to LA every year for Gallifrey One, and and, and it was like, well, let's you know, there's no reason that that Drax couldn't go to LA. I think this would be an interesting place for yeah. storytelling. So we've got uh-huh. that, and and the other half of the uh, double bill is is going to be. Iris Wild Time, so that's um, a brilliant Iris Wild Time twenty-four uh, page strip. Okay, with um, that's uh, that's Sean Mason writing and the brilliant um, Libby Reeves art read on um, on colours and art. Very good, very distinctive. We showed it to Paul Mars the other week. He was very happy, liked it. Um, Katie herself is happy with the look and um, and feel of of Iris. You know, a character that she yeah. loves. Uh-huh. Um, and I was prepared for it not to like it. Actually, we had a we had a sort of plan B, where we were, we were going to go with the first <laughs> incarnation of uh, Iris. We were going to go with the Beryl Reed version. Oh, okay. And I did say, well, look, if you really don't like it, you don't want to be a comic. You know, we we uh-huh. can go with Beryl Reed. She goes, oh no, dear, oh no, no, no. oh no, dear. <laughs> this is my character, not Beryl Reed's. You can imagine uh-huh. some of the other words. Yeah. Um, so no, 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 it's me. <laughs> So she gave us a note on more bling, so that's good. And the second part of that, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be the sleeper hit of the of, of all of them is Losco, who is a uh, brand new character from Steve Gallagher. So it's written by Steve. It's based on one of the characters from his brilliant Warriors Gate novelization. He's one of okay. the Antonine killers, and and it, it's it's a very very good script. It's it's got a lot of heart. Um, it's something a bit different. So that completes those volumes. So those two volumes are going to be kickstarted together. And then the final part of Gods and Monsters will follow later in the year, which is going to be, I think, a uh, a graphic novel of sort of, you know, 120 pages or so, uh, written by Ian Winston with art by the brilliant Silvano Beltrano. So oh, okay. it's it's so there's a lot more to come on that. And the other one that we're working on at the moment is definitely working on is the happiness patrol. Uh-huh. So this has been this has long been in development for one reason or another. And you know, and and the busyness of the talent involved is is a huge factor in this. So yeah, you know, I wanted to wait for um Adrian Salmon to be free because I wanted I wanted his look, his his look and feel for that strip. And he's already working on it now. It's a fantastic, absolutely fantastic um script from Steve Lyons. And I, I think that that one is going to be popular. 
it's a very clever strip it's great world building um that we're we're building on already and i think that's the one that i really can't wait to get that one kickstarted because i think that will be popular wow you just things are constantly going on from cutaway comics and i think it's great i think that you have so many different avenues that you're exploring and and coming up with wonderful stories and great artwork to uh give all of us doctor who fans who want continuations to uh our favorite characters or settings or or episodes um you have something for everybody and, and you just keep churning them out well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, you know, Cutaway Comics started as, you know, it was something that was in, a, it was a, on the back burner for a long time. And then it happened during, um, it happened during lockdown, where suddenly uh-huh. we all had time. And I had brilliant friends, artists, writers, you know, who were out of work. I was sat around just watching the TV, sat in the house. And it was, you know, I don't know what lockdown was like for you over there in the States, but it was pretty horrible here in Manchester. You know, yeah. I, you know, I, I, we were living in a small flat, you know, me and my partner at the time, and we really drove each other mad. You know, it was, <laughs> it was really awful. Uh-huh. And, um, and, and to do, to be able to escape and not just escape by, you know, getting drunk or, watching the TV or going for a miserable walk by the canal, but actually, you know, going, right, let's do a project. Let's yeah. start something. Let's get stuff commissioned. Let's get stuff going. Let's let's do all these things. It made a huge difference, I think. And and mm-hmm. here we are. Here we are now, three years later, more or less, three and a half years later. Um, yeah. and And I hope we'll be here for a little while yet. Well, I, I considering how popular the the projects that you've been working on and putting out, and uh, the response from fans and and Doctor Who, uh, you know, people that want to to read what you're putting out. Uh, I don't see you going anywhere anytime soon, and it's it's also great to hear that uh, you know during lockdown during COVID, yeah, uh, uh, everybody was very downtrodden and and things were very bleak for lack of a better term, but it's nice to see that, uh, you know, whether it be cutaway comics or uh, Emily Cook's uh, Dr. Who watch alongs that led into, you know, what we have coming up in a week's time. Um, It's it's nice to see so much positive stuff was able to be created and, and uh, the the fire started because of, of COVID and people being able to, to have this free time to, be creative and come up with new ideas and different things to do. You're right. I mean, this free time won't come round again. I mean, let's hope it doesn't, but it, they, yeah. they wear positives, you know, it's uh and you know, Dr. Who is, is always there for us in whatever form. Mm-hmm. And it, it, you know, it, it, we do our little bit to help people along or, you know, or, you know, give people a start, let them have a stake in, in something, or even if it's just, opening that envelope and reading a new issue from us or popping the DVD with all the VAM in, you yeah. know, it, it just, it's nice to give something back. And Doctor Who has always been there for us. You know, it's, uh, it's always, it's been there in good times and bad. You know, I've come home after a, a fantastic day and you settle down and, you know, I'll put, I don't know, brain of morbius on and and it puts me in a good mood you know uh-huh. i've come home after a really bad day 
you know, you're lying in bed, you're trying to work everything through that you got to do, and you just go, oh, horns and I'm on, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I'm, you know, and I'm elated, and and we're picked up, and I think, I think we're lucky that we've got this thing that sustains us. And, you know, I see people very upset about things occasionally. I know there's been lots of upset about the little Davros sketch, you know, sketch, uh-huh. which seems a bit daft, but yeah, it's, I suppose I'm lucky in that if there's something that I don't like or doesn't work for me, I just forget about it. The thought yeah. of going online and and telling everyone how terrible it is and, and that if you liked it, you're an idiot. It seems a very odd thing to do, but, you know. No, nope, I totally agree. It's like if, if you see or read something or listen to something that you don't care for, you can always turn it off or not watch it again or pay no attention to it. You know, it's yeah. okay, the the whole Doctor Who, you know, what's canon and what's not. Well, I think I'm one of those who subscribes to the theory that everybody has their own personal canon. You know, you the I, yeah. I the stuff that's on TV. Yes, that is, you know, um the the stuff that's totally official but then you have all this other stuff that you can kind of pick and choose what you like what you don't like what you, you want to fit choose, in and what you don't you pick and choose what you like that's right and it's interesting with i know we've had these discussions with cutaway funny enough with um i remember when bob baker was still with us we had a chat with him and and interestingly bob baker's take was that he didn't consider arc of infinity to be real oh, because really? Yeah, well, it was commissioned without... They they just did it. They didn't ask Bob. They just went ahead and did it. Uh-huh. And then after the event went, oh, God, yeah, Omega's owned by Bob. We'd better send him a check. You uh-huh. know, so they popped him a check. But he had no involvement in writing the script, in the development, in the characterization, nothing. So yeah. his take was, which I guess he can take as a creator of the character, that that one isn't one of mine, that one isn't right. You know, whereas the Omega comic strip, which he was involved with and signed everything off, as far as he's concerned, yeah, he said that is my character. That reflects my character. As far as I'm concerned, that is that is real. So, you know, we even have creator canon and creator headspace and all these other things. You know, I think Terry Nation was unhappy with all the Dalek stories after, you know, after Genesis of Daleks for probably Uh a similar reason that you know. You know, so <laughs> canon is a funny thing, and I, I think it's generally down to, as you say, it's a personally curated thing, and and the TV contradicts itself all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we're quite good at picking and choosing the bits that we like, and the bits we don't, and the bits that make sense, and the bits that don't, and you know. <clears throat> and And we make it work, and I guess just as we've got it to make it work, any showrunner is entitled to come along and just go and you know yank the tablecloth off the table and uh-huh. and throw cups and saucers up in the air and, <laughs> and something else and 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 you know and we respond to it, we work it out it it's it's kind of kind of the joy I think the minute you've locked everything in place it it's you're locking future writers into place, and yeah it's it's daft. Yeah, it takes a, it takes a little bit. Of, if you do something like that, it takes a bit of the creativity away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and I think we, I think, and JJ Abrams has given us all the perfect get out of jail card with what he did brilliantly with Star Trek in two thousand nine with the movies. Is that you know the future is now changed. Yeah, the Kelvin. What happened to the Kelvin is different to what happened to the Kelvin in the original runs. So everything after that has changed, but everything you like still exists. 
Yeah. It still exists, and now it doesn't exist, but it does exist. So I guess it's the same with Davros. You know, there's one set of reality where he's in a chair. There's another set of reality where he's like Moff Tarkin in a yeah. suit. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Very it, true. It's all fair. Yep. Well, Gareth, uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and, and touch base once again and find out what's going on with all of your uh, Doctor Who related endeavors. And uh, um, I. I think I speak for all the fans of Cutaway Comics and for Vort, Vort Magazine that uh, we we don't want to see you go anywhere. We want to wish you continued success. And uh, thanks well, for chatting with me today. Yep, yeah, I will still be here as long as we enjoy it, you know. And I'm a lucky guy in that I work with some absolute geniuses. You know, I'm just the, at the end of the day, I'm all the the boring connectivity stuff, you know, that makes it happen. Brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant people like like Colin Brockhurst, Ian Winterton, Martin Garrity, John Ridgway, you know, these guys are my heroes and I'm lucky enough to work with them. Yeah. And we're, us as fans are lucky enough to reap the rewards of great stories, great comics, and uh, just wonderful info from, from you and uh, all the work that you're doing. Thanks, Jeremy. No, thank you, sir. And uh, uh, happy anniversary, Doctor Who. Yes. <laughs> A great big thank you to all of my guests who have joined me on this episode of Dr. Who Panel to Panel to talk about the new issue of Vorp Vorp Magazine. Normally, a new issue of Vorp Vorp Magazine focuses primarily on Dr. Who comics. This time around, with it being the anniversary, they kind of went a little bit of a different route. But trust me, you still want to pick up this issue. It's not going to be any different than any other issue of Vorp Vorp. It's the standard by which all other professional-looking fanzines should be judged. It's For those of us here in the States, it may be a little pricey with shipping to get. However, I can guarantee you, you're not going to regret your decision. You're not going to regret this magazine and reading about the beginning, uh, the very first story of Doctor Who. It even has comic content with an interview with Scott Gray talking about his anniversary story that he did uh, in Doctor Who magazine. It also has a couple brand new strips of which you've heard a little bit about with uh, these interviews, and you definitely want to make sure you get it ordered. So go to vorpvorp.co.uk and get your order in now. You only have uh, so long to order it because it is going uh, being shipped out next month. So make sure you get your order in. And thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. Who Panel to Panel. This is my anniversary episode. Dr. Who's been around for 60 years. I got into it, in my opinion, a little later than uh, I would have preferred. I think if I would have found out about Dr. Who when I was a kid, I would have eaten it up. I would have been watching it on Iowa Public Television every Friday night. But... I'm glad I found it when I did. It came along just the right time for me, being a uh, geeky teenager who loved anything sci-fi and comic book related. And it's been a pleasure to bring this podcast uh, to you and to try to put Doctor Who comics at the forefront of Doctor Who fandom. So, happy anniversary, Doctor Who. Thank you all for joining me. And until next time, this is Jeremy Bement saying bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. 
Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who Comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel the Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you.